My name is Lyle Thompson, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier. Kylie O'Miller showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley and he scores. What a goal from Josh Byrne. Kayla Trainer fires to score. You're kidding me. By Dylan Warren. Gets topside. Rambo scores. Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I am joined by my co-host, Adam Moore, as usual, but we are also joined by Jake Watts and Joe Keegan of PLL Stats. You heard Joe on the draft on Twitter spaces this past Thursday. We were excited to have them on and we're going to talk a little bit about this draft. So I know Joe cut out a little bit, a um, little technical difficulties happens to all of us. So not going to fault him too much. Can't, can't complain about a uh, crappy internet. It's not his fault, but Hey, we got him on our podcast now. So he'll get to give his thoughts that he wasn't able to get in on Twitter spaces on here. So we're glad you guys are listening, but first off, let's start with a little bit of this breakdown. We're not going to go through all the picks. You guys can see them online. But we will go into a little bit of the MLL breakdown. Had eight outlaws taken. Uh, I, I know Matt Bocklet was saying, hey, here's my cheat sheet. And it was a list of outlaws players. Uh, he was pretty spot on with the fact that eight players from the outlaws went. Um, and the majority of them, too. And I think it was all the first two rounds, actually. Um, you also had four Bayhawks, six Cannons, two Barrage, two Hammerheads, one Lizard, and one Thunderbird as well. Graham Hasek has not played in the MLL for a little while. Uh, but we're expecting him to fit seamlessly into this Archers team. Let's start, guys, with our biggest surprises. Um, We'll start with you, Adam. Who was your biggest surprise, I guess, from this draft, whether it be a player that you didn't think their name would be called or a player that kind of dropped for a team that you thought would maybe go earlier? Yeah, I I think uh, in the third round for the Whips to get Brian Cole, uh, what was a big pickup for them. Um, I had him going in the second round to the Whips, and I think he just is going to fit in seamlessly with that that already – really strong championship squad. And uh, yeah, I think Lax Twitter was also uh, pretty surprised that he fell in some, a lot of people weren't too happy non whips fans that he, that he landed with coach Dags. Yeah. We got to get, see some collusion from these teams to make sure the whips don't get all the guys they want, <laughs> but you guys can probably give us a little bit more insight on the first two guys that they took. Chris Aslanian was a guy I had mocked in my draft, not going in round one. Um, although I love the pick by coach Staggs. Um, and then another guy in Charlie Hayes was a guy that, you know, me and Adam both think highly of, but didn't make it on our mocks and he went in round two. So we'll start off with you, Jake. Um, what are your thoughts on the two guys that the whips landed in these first two rounds? Two guys that they exactly needed. You had Ty Warner leaving the, the roster this year, a, a major hole to fill really kind of not replaceable, but found a guy that can get into that spot, make a big difference and, and probably slide in real smoothly with the whips. I mean, obviously they had their eye set on him. There was a couple other guys available, and he was the first um, short stick D-mid, or second, sorry, behind um, Zach Goodrich mm-hmm. off the board. Um, so, and I, I agree with Adam. I mean, yeah, Brian Cole come in in the third. Like, what a steal. Like, <laughs> and they were pretty thin at midfield with guys retiring and getting picked up, and so – they needed to fill those spots and find some Dodgers that can be big, tough, and physical to, you know, replace those guys that uh, had left this offseason. 
the whips just nailed this draft. Uh, Chris Islanian is really like a second Brad Smith. He can play attack midfield. Uh, he's going to get a short stick on him more often than not invert him and like just make zero mistakes. He's a guy that does exactly what the whips do. He draws a slide, he hits the single, and then his teammates make plays. I think he's going to fit in seamlessly. Uh, and you look at Charlie Hayes, like Jake said, they needed a replacement for Tyler Warner. Uh, I was talking with Whips defensive coordinator, Mike Murphy, before the draft about some of the deep middies that he liked. And one of the things, among the many things that he likes a lot about Tyler Warner is how nasty he is as a competitor in practice in games, he just gets after it. He got after Rambo in practice. He's just mean and physical, doesn't back down from anyone. Uh, And coach Murphy told me that uh, there are two types of guys. When you get in a bar fight, uh, there are coat holders and then there are the guys who you want on your side. And he said, Charlie Hayes is no coat holder. (laughs) I love it. No, that's a great quote. Yeah, I, I really like Chris Aslanian pick. Um, you know, he lit it up with the outlaws, got to learn under some great leadership too, like John Grant Jr. Um, played with Ryan Lee as well. So I, I think he's going to fit in seamlessly with this team. Has a pretty good relationship with Rambo too. They've been coaching a lot of clinics together this past off season. So um, I think the, you know, the relationship was already there. And, you know, we've seen Rambo mesh so well with Zed that I think it's going to be another seamless fit for them. The, the whips get a little bit richer, I think in this draft um any other surprises in terms of players that you guys thought um might have gone maybe a little bit sooner or ended up going earlier than you expected warren jeffrey in the third round for sure i I don't think even bates uh expected him to be there i mean he he grabbed his guy at number two with hasik and it came to the third round and warren was there and he's like well i have to take him Mm -hmm. like i mean uh, so now he's just got like huge physical defenders like under rush is just going to be a nightmare for offenses and they're, they're going to be really tough. I mean, they've already been the uh, best defense over really the past two years. And now you add two more really, really good polls. And so I was really surprised to see him slip to the third. Um, and yeah, archers really hadn't really no no the choice, but to snag him. Yeah. And going off of that too, what do you think they do with a Graham Hasek? You know, they probably took him to replace Corley, but now you got Warren Jeffrey. Do you keep Jeffrey kind of down low and, you know, kind of run Hasek at LSM and kind of all over the field? I mean, what do you do? You have so many polls and, you know, we didn't even mention Scott Ratliff and Mike Simon, no slouches there either. So, I mean, this Archer's defense is just loaded. He brings that uh, versatility Hasek does. I mean, so Mm -hmm. like you said, I, I could see him playing in that role. Um, I mean, he plays short stick and in, in indoors and um, has won defender of the year three times with a short stick there. And mm-hmm. so he has, you know, no trouble running, running up and down the court. Um, but yeah, Warren Jeffrey probably being a little bit, you know, bigger stockier guy. I could see him playing more close and, um, and then, you know, fight for that third spot, right? Like the, you know, it, it's competition now. That's what I really loved about this. Uh, mm-hmm. this draft is like we've got now all the best players in one league and those guys that were on rosters before aren't guaranteed spots and so you have you have guys come in to fight for those starting positions mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to you know worry the other seven coaches but even if you get a power play opportunity this year against the archers you might see warren jeffrey matt mcmahon eli gobrek scott ratliff and then Graham Hasek with a shorty <laughs> on that defense. I don't think even a six on five advantage is going to be much of an advantage against those five guys. 
What about you, Joe? What do you think of the archers and what they did in this draft? I think they did exactly what they wanted to do, but like we're talking about, uh, I don't know that they planned on it. If, if, I mean, they took a risk taking Ryan McNamara in the second, right? It was between mm-hmm. him and Warren Jeffrey. Uh, they took, they took a serious risk that they weren't going to get their guy, Warren Jeffrey, um, who has played for coach Kavanaugh at Vermont. Uh, they clearly wanted to bring him in, mm-hmm. uh, but I could have seen just looking at this board, I could have seen the Atlas taking him in the second round to add a close defender there. Could have seen chaos taking him. Yeah. Atlas took two defensemen who I thought that Warren Jeffrey would go ahead of going into last night's draft. Um, just for all the reasons that we mentioned, he's, he's that perfect matchup. You watch those playoff games. He's just battling with Randy Stotts, battling mm-hmm. with John Grant Jr. That's the direction this game is going with the shrinking field and these physical guys. It's like to be the best, you have to beat the best, right? And mm-hmm. you look at like listening to Coach Belichick and the way that he's built the Patriots roster, the year that he went out and got Brandon Browner, it was because he had – Des Bryant and Brandon Marshall and big six foot three, six foot four physical wide receivers that he wanted to jam up on the line. Mm-hmm. So in pro lacrosse for years, it was, you need that quick footed X defender who can match up with Jordan Wolf match up with Rob Pinnell. You probably still need a guy like that, but you absolutely need a big guy who can stop Rambo. And you probably need two big guys because the reigning chance have Rambo and said, mm-hmm. yeah, you need a bruiser. And it's funny. You brought up the Randy Stotts, Warren Jeffrey, um, some sparks flew in 2019 between those two. They actually got into a fist fight. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that matchup is going to be one I'm going to mark on my calendar this summer as well. Um, let's t- talk a little bit about Ryan McNamara. I really liked that pick. Um, I had McNamara going to the Chrome in round three of one of my earlier drafts. And then with the addition of Hasek and Malloy, he kind of fell off, but I really like that pick again. I think they probably could have gone Jeffrey in the second and then McNamara in the third. Um, you know, who knows, maybe McNamara would have been picked up by one of these teams that also picked up a midfielder, but, um, I love that pick. I think he, he's a great midfielder. Um, he can kind of do it a little bit of everything and he was, you know, top 20 in points in 2018, back when the leagues hadn't split. So I, I think, you know, he kind of flew under the radar going into this draft, but uh, I think it was a secret, you know, good sleeper that they took there. Um, I don't know, Adam, a- any thoughts on maybe some of these other teams? Let's talk maybe about the Atlas a little bit, because I think they surprised some people with taking Rex Road at nine, um, you know, passing on a Warren Jeffrey or a Ben Randall, who I was pretty high on. And then they took Newbold uh, with that other pick. So what are your thoughts on those two guys and what the- Coach Rubio did with the Atlas? Yeah, I mean, Coach Rubio, it seems like, went into this knowing who he wanted to pick and, and picked his guys, right? So mm-hmm. um, I think if uh, w- whatever fanfare it comes of it to, to debate those picks, he got who he wanted. So internally, uh, that's clearly a, a W for this Atlas squad. Um, I, I had them mocking um, uh, a little bit more offense uh, in, in mine, and he did get his guy. It sounds like in Brendan Sunday, um, it, with his last pick. Um, and he obviously took Dan Bucaro with, uh, his first selection. So, um, yeah, I think, um, coach Rubio did exactly what he was hoping to do, uh, in this entry draft. You know, and Adam, you went five for five for those first five picks, um, seven for eight in the first, uh, you know, yeah. that, that whips pick really, really. Oh yeah. So six off. for six for the first. And then, yeah, it was really just the, the whips that threw yep. you off. And, uh, 
again, I was again, kind of rolling my eyes when you didn't take IDA at seven and turns out he dropped lower than you even had on your mock. Um, so again, I, I'm, I need to stop doubting you. Um, I'll learn my lesson one of these <laughs> days, but, uh, let's talk about the war dogs a little bit, because I think a lot of people are pretty high on their draft again. Um, you know, they take Liam Burns at four. I think that was a pretty good pick for, I think everyone kind of saw them taking him, uh, there maybe, you know, maybe they would have taken a Warren Jeffrey or somebody, but I think Liam Burns fits in better because they can run him at LSM if they need to. Um, as well as, you know, at close, he's that help defender that you talk so highly about Joe Keegan. I was really surprised they got Ben Randall on the third. He was really high on mine. He was actually the top poll for me going into this draft before Hasek. Um, I ranked him above Jeffrey and Burns, even though I thought Burns probably might've gone earlier for him. Once Hasek came into the mix, I had him dropping a little bit to the second round, but they got him, you know, in the third round uh, that really helps, you know, again, I think coach Copeland reiterated, no one can really replace Brody Merrill, but in terms of getting similar skill sets, he got that in Liam Burns and Ben Randall. What are your guys' thoughts on the, the water dogs draft? They also got Mikey Slosser in the, the second round too, which is another, you know, super speedy two-way guy that they can run at the midfield thoughts on the water dogs. I love the Mikey Slosser pickup. Um, I think that's the exact Dodger they needed that mm -hmm. North South Dodger who can create separation and automatically draws a slide like Connor Kelly, Drew Snyder, terrific midfielders, but their dodging styles, uh, uh, especially Connor Kelly's real East to West, right? Mm -hmm. he, he likes to shake people up and then um, take to the outside, get back to the middle. But, you know, Schlosser is coming out of the box screaming and, you mm -hmm. know, that, that really sets the offense going. They had no, they had no problem getting, um, you know, assisted shots last year. And I think it's going to be more of the same this year. And then you add a guy like Ryan Brown in the off season too, it's just, um, you know, they needed, they needed that shooter. So I, I think Mikey was the, you know, the piece they needed um, after the Brown pick on offense. So I, I, I love that pick for them. Yeah. I, I really like how they have a clear defined role for each of those guys. I feel mm -hmm. like defining roles was the water dogs downfall in 2020 because they brought in so many guys who were versatile, right? They put an emphasis on two way guys, on guys who can play attack in midfield. Mm -hmm. And they were also picking out of a talent pool where all the guys were really like in that same tier. Mm -hmm. uh, you look at the whip snakes and they benefit so much from knowing that, that offense goes through Rambo mm -hmm. or we're going through the invert in this quarter or in this possession. And there's a really defined pecking order. Now by adding Ryan Brown as an off ball shooter, Schlosser as that downhill Dodger to complement those Connor Kelly's and Drew Snyder's playing around them. I feel like this offense just has so many more defined roles. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the third round, you can't really make a better pick than Ben Randall. Uh, and you loved him as one of the best polls in this class. I think Copeland was even debating him as one of those top picks too. And mm -hmm. if you remember a couple of years ago when Matt St. Laurent was with the Ohio machine, he made a trade straight up Matt McMahon for Ben Randall, mm -hmm. uh, which speaks highly of Ben Randall because Matt McMahon is one of the best defenders in this league. And back then was one, still one of the best for the Ohio machine. So, uh, if you're getting a Matt McMahon quality or caliber defenseman in the third round, that's a steal in this draft. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think his track record has been proven against Lyle, you know, against Matt Rambo in college. Um, so that's why I really like him, you know, being 
one of their top cover guys on that defense and uh, still think they could benefit from maybe, you know, um, taking another attackman, but, you know, maybe they add someone in the waiver wire. I think Bryce Wasserman would fit in well. Maybe they feel confident about, um, go ahead, Joe, you have something to say about that? Well, they have a top two pick in the college draft. That's what I was about to yeah, say. exactly. You you take a you know. I think they have their eyes away. <laughs> I mean, I think missed, I, some someone rhymes with uh, Teth G. I think <laughs> someone that I, I would see them taking. Yeah, if Jeff Teets is doesn't return to Cornell, he's up there. I think Jake Caraway too. People like he's lighting it up. We we've given him a lot of love on the Fantasy Lacrosse podcast because he is only priced at fifty one hundred compared to you know a Chris Gray who's plus ten thousand. So it's like half the cost for the same production. And we had a, a guy on Twitter actually put together a point per price like spreadsheet on who was the highest value pick. And Jake Carraway was at the top of the list, confirming our suspicions through science. Um, yeah. There we go. So, you know, yeah, I think they're looking pretty good right there. Um, you know, and, and then the guys they have on the roster, Ben Reeves is no slouch either. Um, so, you know, I think he could see an increased role um, this, this summer too, if he is available. Um, so yeah, water dogs, I was pretty high on. I kind of want to get to the Chrome a little bit though, because I really like their draft a lot too. Um, they got Scannone or Scannone as pseudo likes to say, um, in that second round, I think that was something we saw when they, they revealed their hand that they wanted to get a goalie. They, um, they also got their guy, Randy Stotts too, a steal at five, in my opinion, top five guy. Um, you know, I could have seen him easily going earlier. And I think the addition of Hasek might've made him available. Cause I don't know if I'm the archers, if I pass up on him. Um, and you know, again, that's not a disservice to Burns or Bacaro, but Stotts is that good. Um, and then Heacock in the third round, again, another versatile midfielder that you can run an attack if you want to can get back in the hole and play defense if need be talk about this Chrome team, Adam, like, what did you think of pseudo's draft? I mean, again, I, if, if we're going off of the idea that, that uh, a successful draft is, getting the the players you want in terms of the style he did just that you know his quote was he wanted a franchise goalie he got sean he wanted uh a, a guy like randy who he he's he knows fairly well um he, he did a really good job um with, with with his selections i'm really excited to see and curious to see um what what the goalie situation for for them is it's uh john galloway's birthday was the other day right so they they draft his uh, his, uh, the next in line, uh, the day after his birthday, the day before his birthday. Right. So, um, I'm curious what the situation, um, for the Chrome will be going into the season. Cause you, you obviously have, uh, one of the best goalies of all time currently on your roster and you just drafted, uh, the reigning two-time MLL goalie of the year. So I'm really interested to see, uh, how that battle goes once we get, uh, to the, uh, training camp season. No, absolutely. And, you know, there, there's some guys in this draft too. I mean, there's some obvious picks we haven't really touched on. Lyle Thompson going number one. Um, I think you could have taken that. You could have bet the second mortgage on that happening. Um, and they got their guy, Nick Morocco in that third round and they got Zach Goodrich too, which again proves, you know, that that trade for Paul Rabel uh, paid off more than just getting a guy like Rabel. You know, they were able to move up to that six pick. Zach Goodrich isn't going to be available. He's not pass. The whips aren't passing on Zach Goodrich. Um, you know, if, if he's available at that seventh spot. So again, masterful move by Quirk, getting those guys. Um, some other guys too that were kind of, you know, mocked at appropriately were Max Adler falling to the chaos at eight. I think people could have, you know, teams could have shake, shaked up a little bit if they would have taken him earlier, but obviously it was more need-based this draft and chaos got their face off guy on the roster. He's going to compete with the Trevor Baptiste and Joe Nardellas of the world. Um, so that was another good pick. 
Uh, I do want to touch on a little bit about Ryan Lee because I think he is a sneaky pick that's going to really perform for these Woods team. Again, this is not a knock on a guy like Ryder Garnsey, but they just have so many weapons on this team. Um, you know, and they're a team probably going into the draft that had the, the fewest needs. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts on Nat St. Laurent landing both Ryan Lee in that second round and then Isaiah Davis Allen landing at third? Let's start with you, Joe. Yeah, it, it's not a knock on any anyone currently on the Redwoods offense, but I'm really curious to see which six are their best six together. And mm -hmm. while Ryan Lee might not be like that in the top six names coming from a D3 school and RIT, he's a fantastic player, just not well known. People wouldn't think of him as that six. I think his role as A, a righty in a left-handed heavy offense and B, an off-ball guy in an offense just full of Dodgers it is going to be really important. I think it's just space them out the same way that Jay Carlson spaces out the whip snakes, mm -hmm. right? As kind of like that, that center who just hangs around the rim. Uh, it's set picks. Yeah. Dives right to the rim. Um, he, he just gives them options. He's a guy that you can't slide from, or he's going to make you pay. Mm -hmm. So teams might try to short stick him, but then you can do some big little actions. You can do a lot of different stuff. He just gives you a different look than probably the rest of the players on their team do. So uh, it's just going to be interesting to see whether he runs out of the box to play that role or whether he's down on attack. And then if he's on attack, who does that bump out? And then who is coming out of the midfield? Uh, they, it, it, it will be interesting to see who they squeeze onto their 19 man roster. Cause they've always put a lot of emphasis on that versatility between the arcs. Um, but if they can get away with dressing fewer defensemen, then they can probably run two offensive midfield lines, which we don't see too often in pro lacrosse. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And the final team I want to touch on a little bit, we mentioned a little bit with Max Adler, but the chaos, the Canadian chaos team, Canada's team adding two more Canadians in Challen Rogers and Kyle Jackson, Kyle Jackson was a big sleeper. Again, I, he kind of just wasn't on my radar, but again, I see, just love that pick at the third in the third round. There's probably some other guys they could have gone with there, but he's a versatile midfielder, um, great finisher, you know, and that's kind of what they need right now is more midfielders. I would say um, they don't really have a midfielder of his, his style necessarily. You know, you got Ian McKay who can shoot from range, um, Jake Fricaro as well. Sergio Saucedo is a speedy guy. Dane Smith, again, great finisher, but, um, you know, adds them a little bit more versatility. And again, some more Canadian influence for Andy Towers' team. But Adam, how shocked are you that Challen Rogers fell to that last pick in the second round? Yeah, he uh, he's one of the guys we've I've been mentioning over the last couple of months, you know, just watching uh, the MLL bubble. Once the announcement happened that the merger was going to kind of come to fruition. He was the, one of the first guys that, that came to my mind that can play both ways. Um, mm. And I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Um, I, he was the guy kind of just, like I said, going into this, I, I wanted uh, to see. And for him to be on Team Canada, as, as you said, with the Chaffs, I'm really, really excited to see Challen, just how versatile he is uh, going on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. 
Yeah, all, all I can say is get his uh, two bomb sticker ready because he's mm-hmm. gonna need it. He he's gonna be another member of that bomb squad for sure. If you watch the MLO bubble last season, behind the back laser top corner. I don't think it was a two point goal, but it was nearly a two point goal. And yeah, he's gonna make plays all over the field. He's kind of Zach Courier esque. I mean, he's beaten out Zach Courier for transition player of the year um, in the NLL. And you know, there, there's a great highlight in 2019 where he caused a turnover at midfield took it down for the cannons and ripped the two pointer. That's you're going to see a lot of that, especially in the shortened field. Um, you know, and again, it goes back to finding players that can fill multiple roles on the roster. Since the rosters are so tight, you know, he'll get D midi shifts, you know, you got Glassini and Resch there um, that are going to, you know, fill that void when needed. But, you know, if uh, Rogers gets caught on defense, he's going to be fine. Um, so I, yeah, I love that, especially losing Tyson bell too. It's just another solid pick for them. So um, yeah, excited about the Canadian chaos team. You know, Team Canada gets a little bit stronger. Um, we're going to take a quick break, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we'll dive into the waiver wire ads that could happen this week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducanon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. All right, so welcome back. So now we're going to go into our waiver wire discussion, and we're going to have Joe kind of discuss the waiver wire a little bit because you probably have already saw his tweets by now on Monday when this podcast is dropping. But um, the waiver wire period is not different from the Cannons. The Cannons were originally going to have an extended waiver wire period that was earlier, but because you know, their roster is pretty even with the rest of them. They don't need to backfill. If they were to have the least amount of players on their roster, that would have been led to the backfill, but they don't have that at this point. So that's why they're just to have the top pick. The rest of the waiver wire has still been, is still being decided at the time of this recording, but Joe's going to explain a little bit of what, why he thinks certain teams will be a little bit more active than others. So I'll let you take it away, Joe, with the waiver wire. Yeah, thanks. So one of the teams that I would expect to be the most active would be the Whip Snakes. Uh, as we look towards training camp and teams are rounding out their 30-man rosters, most teams have somewhere between – they started with four college draft picks, right? So uh, obviously the Atlas and Chaos have a lot more, so they uh, are are banking on turning those into players that will take up a camp roster spot. But the Whip Snakes right now, after the retirement of – Joe Lacasio, Jeremy Sieverts, Tyler Warner, Brett Schmidt, they're sitting at 20 players. So expect them, uh, they, they have the fewest in the league. Expect them to be pretty active. Expect the Cannons to be active. They only have 22. Atlas have uh, 21 guys on their roster, but they're they're making all those draft picks. Yeah, yeah. they have a bunch. 
So they might not be as active as others, but I can see the cannons and the whips uh, making some moves during this time, putting in some claims. Um, and, you know, we could probably see each team maybe add one one more guy, but those those two teams could add uh, two or three more. You know, I think that they will be the, the most active, um, you know, and there's some teams like the Chaos that already have a lot of guys that they signed, you know, previously um, that, you know, they're planning on taking to camp, so they might not be as active. Maybe they'll, you know, pick up another face-off guy in a Kevin Reisman, who, who knows. But, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a little bit of disparity between who picks up what. Uh, we'll start with you, Adam. Let's, let's get some of your, your top waiver wire ads and best fits for them. Yeah, you know, there, there was a couple that, that came to mind immediately. Um, you know, I, I mocked a, a guy like Nick Manis to, speaking of the whips, who, who have a lot of roster flexibility right now. Uh, I think he, he would be a good good addition to them. You know, it can utilize the pole, uh, can, can play shorty, um, and has uh, a lot of versatility uh, and goes with the, the Maryland theme, right, for the whips. So the, the turf snakes live on. So uh, that's a one that... Uh, I immediately came to mind. Um, and just another fun one, you know, uh, from a goalie perspective, um, curious to see um, what the water dogs uh, do. You know, we, we saw a lot of um, kind of talk that potentially um, Scanone could go uh, to the dogs. Um, and maybe a guy like Austin Cout, who was a former uh, college goalie of the year, really strong uh, professional for the Lizards and, um, and the launch during this MLL day. So um, is there going to be a competition between uh, Cout, Cipriano, and DeLuca going into camp? There's a number of goalies um, coming over uh, from the MLL that I'm curious to see uh, where they land, if they land at all. Yeah, no, and, and another goalie I think, you know, would be a pretty good fit. One of mine in particular is Brian Phipps to the Whips, another Maryland guy. Um, they have a need at backup. I think that would be seamless. Um, you know, I think maybe they they use one of their earlier waiver picks on somebody else, but I think you can kind of maybe bet on Phipps still being available um, in that backup role for them. And, you know, who knows? Like, I, I don't think, you know, I think Bernlor is pretty set there, but, um, you know, it, it's good to have in case there is an injury to Bernlor. You have a, a veteran presence like Brian Phipps, who has, you know, kind of done it all, played that backup role in the past and then won championships as well with the Bayhawks in a starting role as well. So um, he would be a guy that I would look at. What about you, Jake? Uh, any guys in particular that you think see getting picked up um, and which teams do you think they would land on? I'm looking at this player pool right now and I see a former Tourton winner sitting right there for the taking. Um, Dylan Malloy, a guy that scored 59 points in 2018 when, um, you know, we had all all players playing together and a really good fit I could see is Atlas lacrosse club. Um, I think he just balances the field really well for them. Uh, uh, something that they didn't have last year at times they had three righties out on, on attack, one trying mm -hmm. to play a uh, lefty attackman, and um, you know, they, their offensive production suffered last year from that. Uh, I think another kind of advantage he brings is he plays more of the, the wing area, that right wing area. And that, that allows law to do, a lot of what he does best behind the cage. And so um, that's, that's a, a guy I could see potential getting picked up and uh, one that could be really interesting for that team. Yeah, no, you got, uh, you would have Malloy on the right and then Clucci on the left wall from behind. You could invert Bacaro if you wanted, run him from the midfield. Um, I, I think that's a good fit. 
for sure um, there. And, you know, you also got Brendan Sunday who they added in this entry draft too, as a shooter that can play both attack and midfield. So um, going to be a different look Atlas offense for sure. But I, I really love that pick. And I was pretty surprised Malloy didn't get at least a look um, in this draft. What about you, Joe? Any particular uh, waiver wire moves you see happening? Yeah, I think as good, as well as Chrome drafted last night, they still have a whole uh, D mid after losing Sam Duggan in the expansion draft make a lot of sense for them to bring in Matt Abbott, one of the best D mids, the human clear Mm -hmm. uh, who played in college with Galloway and Joel white, but has never played pro with them. Uh, Couldn't make sense for them to add him or on Monday, or do they have their eye on maybe another Syracuse team midi uh, in the college draft in April? Uh, We'll see, but I think that would be an interesting fit uh, to bring in another veteran who wants to win a ring. Uh, mm-hmm. to that Chrome group. And Adam, yeah. you mocked him. You actually mocked at Abbott too, the Chrome yeah. in your mock draft. So I think you're on, on the same page it's a there. Nice fit. Yeah. Um, I had, I, I liked Abbott maybe going to Atlas and playing for his former teammate in Ben Ruby or, um, you know, I could maybe see that too. I, I think they kind of, you know, are not, they're doing pretty well at that Dimity spot, um, you know, with uh, Jake Richard, Kevin Unterstein, um, you know, also have Costabile, Brian Costabile, who was able to go both ways last year as well. We saw that highlight where he took the ball from Tom Schreiber himself. So um, I think they're doing all right there as well. I like Cockerton to the Cannons, a guy that I thought maybe could have landed on one of these teams. I didn't have him mocked to the Cannons because of what they, I thought they would do. Um, but now that he's available on the waiver wire, I think he's the first guy I'm picking up if I'm the cannons kind of fill that lefty void that they haven't really replaced. You know, I, I think they might've felt pretty good about, um, Brendan Gleason in the expansion draft, at least being a placeholder there if they needed. But I think Car- Cockerton would be an upgrade. He's already played kind of in the cork system. Um, and you can just imagine, you know, Lyle Thompson, um, meshing really well with him on that attack. So he's a guy that I look to maybe be added by the cannons. Um, let's talk a little CJ Costabile. I think you had an idea of where you thought he might go, Joe Keegan, where do you see this veteran LSM going? Yeah, there are a few teams that could add Costabile. I think a really interesting fit is the whip snakes. Uh, they need somebody to spell Michael Earhart best LSM in the world, but, uh, he's going to be taking all the reps as of right now with Brett mm-hmm. Schmidt retired. Uh, and he just takes a beating over the course of the season. So you want to keep him fresh. Don't ask him to play 48 minutes mm-hmm. uh, in June and July and August when you need him for the most important game of the year. So mm-hmm. if the whips could land CJ Costabile, spell Michael Earhart, uh, take some face off wings, give them some reps and some versatility. I think that would, that would really help them out. Uh, as we look for them building out that three-peat, I, I think those those players that they lost, right, to retirement, we're all talking about Tyler Warner, as we should be, the short stick D-Midi of the year, but mm-hmm. Joel Ocasio's and the Brett Schmitz, Jeremy Sieverts were so pivotal to that repeat as well. No, absolutely. And, you know, we're mentioning a lot of veterans right now, too, that we think are going. Interesting thing about the draft, you know, no player older than 28 was taken. Um, you know, and I don't think we saw really many older than 28 being taken, but there was a few that we thought, and I think it just shows that these coaches really valued youth in this draft. And then they consider the waiver wire a period where they can add these veteran presence um, to their team um, and compete for some roster spots. Uh, Jake, you got any other ideas of some maybe waiver wire pickups for any of these teams? 
I think Shane Jackson is an interesting one that's uh, that's sitting there for someone to pick up. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that's obviously super skilled and produces a lot in the indoor league. Um, you know, a good fit for him. Uh, possibly the Cannons uh, line him up with Lyle Thompson again. You know, mm-hmm. they obviously have a lot of chemistry, and um, that could be a combo that could work really well for them. Yeah, that would be lethal uh, if if they added him. Um, I, I also would love, I don't think they have enough room on the offensive end, but you know, maybe you, you make room if he ended up with his buddy, Randy Stotts as well, they lit it up on the blaze and obviously play together on the swarm too, but there's gotta be a spot for last year's NLL MVP and Shane Jackson. Um, there's some other guys too. We haven't even mentioned like Tommy Palasek, you know, uh, Mark Matthews, who people were getting on us about leaving off our draft board. There could be a spot for him. Um, I like to, to see Garrett Thule make a comeback too. He obviously had a lot of success in the pro game, um, took some time off because of his army commitments coming back, but he's obviously in, you know, peak physical shape still, even at his age. Um, you know, I think he might get a camp look, um, and there's going to be, you know, a lot of camp spots up for grabs still. Um, you know, each team's going to be able to take 30 guys to camp, not too many, but enough that you could, you know, still add some of these guys, um, right before training camp. Um, and then Chris Hogan, I, I know people are bashing him, you know, have not played for 10 years. The guy is a physical specimen. Um, you know, he's hitting 110 on his shot. And I know shooting isn't everything. You got to be able to play the game too. But, I, you know, I think that proves that playing lacrosse is a little bit like riding a bike. You don't completely forget everything even after 10 years. So I'm playing the NFL. Um, you know, I, I still think there's a spot for him on a roster if the coach is willing to take a chance. So, you know, keep the eye out for him. And just remember the last time he went undrafted in a pro league, he went on to win two titles. So, um, again, I don't sleep on that guy at all, but what team did he win those titles with? Oh man. I, I don't need to bring that up. All right. New England Patriots. He's, he's, but he certainly did not win a title when he went <laughs> against Nick Foles. That's all I can say. That's all, that's all I can say. We got some Eagles fans. We got some Patriot fans. We got a Ravens and a, a Packers, I believe too. Right, Jake. Uh, we won't get into last season. That's why. That's why Jake's yeah. the quietest because, like, like, like the normal fan rivalry. J- Joe chimed in when the Patriots fan would. I did aggressively as an Eagles fan. J- J- Hutton's just here yelling. I rolled my eyes. Yeah. Being really. Jake. Jake might be a free agent right now after Matt Lafleur kicked a field goal. <laughs> I just love losing in NFC Championship games. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor, poor Jake. That's like the third time I think Joe has brought that up to him in the past couple of days. <laughs> too soon, too soon. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of talent on the on these. Like again, there's some guys we haven't even mentioned that are going to get some looks. Uh, another guy, MLL MVP Bryce Wasserman. I think his skill set is maybe a little bit more, le- a little less sought after because so many teams have that ex attackman, that strong dodger from behind. But I think he could get a look too. You know, maybe he'll end up on his former team, the Cannons. Um, I'd like him maybe going to the Water Dogs as well, giving him a look there. You know, you, you got Cuccinello there that can run at X. You got Ben Reeves also. Um, so it's going to be a crowded attack. But the do- guy deserves a look for what he's put up, um, you know. And, and he was, you know, earned a spot before the leagues separated as well and other guys. So there's some guys that we see. Um, that's our thoughts on the waiver period. Definitely looking forward to what happens tomorrow on Tuesday when those are announced. Um, but that's pretty much our, our draft recap. Any, any parting thoughts, guys, um, you know, maybe looking ahead to the college draft or maybe it's, you know, on some guys that we didn't mention in this waiver period, any parting shots that you guys want to fire out? 
I just think this is going to be the best summer pro lacrosse we've ever seen. Um, we've got 19 roster spots available and, you know, 300 plus players fighting for spots and it's just going to raise everybody's game and it's going to, um, going to be a treat for the fans. That's what I'm most excited about. No, absolutely. And we are looking forward to watching lacrosse every single weekend, not just during a two and a half week period, like last summer, it was great. Don't get us wrong. We love those PLL after darks, but we want to see lacrosse every weekend. You guys can get it on Peacock too, cheaper than even last year. Um, so definitely if you haven't sign up for Peacock, you'll get some other games on NBC sports network and NBC as well, but we appreciate Joe and Jake joining us. Uh, Adam as joining us as always, and again, him predicting things that I roll my eyes out previous weeks, but um, you know, there's going to be more of that this summer as well. Unfortunately, I'm sure. Hopefully, I can win the crab cake cheesesteak battle this this Still summer. Still haven't I, gotten I lost. cheesesteak, by the way. From from I I do I do. You know, COVID. Uh, I haven't been yeah, able to buy you that yet. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate you guys hopping on. We appreciate everyone listening. Make sure you guys check out all our other episodes. Uh, give us a five star rating if you like this episode. Um, and tune in next time too. Pro Lacrosse Talk. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Duke Cannon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent.